It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Millie's This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And I want to thank you all For making us part of your daily routine We're here for you Monday through Friday And this is the, what? Wednesday show? We're recording on Tuesday? I don't know anymore. I don't know what day it is. Um, the Boston Celtics, as you know, are down three games to one. And we are here in Milwaukee, fine Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a fine variety of meats and cheeses as we try to figure out and what's fireworks. going to happen. And fireworks as we figure out what's going to happen in game five and for potentially the rest of the series if it goes beyond that. I am John Corrales of MassLive.com, joined by my MassLive partner, Tom Westerholm. What's up, Tom? What up, what up? So, we're here in Milwaukee, waiting for the inevitable. (laughs) Are we here for a funeral, or are we here for a very script-following Celtics kind of like, get everybody's hopes up again win? (laughs) I mean that like that would follow the theme of this entire season, right? right? Like but on the other hand, they have not shown any real indication that they have it against this Bucks team right now. And like again, that's we we should have seen all of this coming. Like oh, sure. like we should have seen a five game winning streak to start the the playoffs coming. We should see this drop off coming. Like it's all it's all very predictable. It's all very on-brand. Um, and the on-brand thing that they would do now is sneak one out and have everybody think, oh, game six is in Boston, you know, and then anything yeah. could happen in a game seven. And then, obviously, the then the on-brand thing would be then to lose game six after winning a road game in game five. So anyway, right. I, the long and the short of it is I think that they're probably done. <laughs> <laughs> they're done eventually. All right, so let's let's rewind. Last night on the program, Sam Packard, Sam Sheehan, and Ryan Bernadoni got together. I don't know if you heard that show. Angster cart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a wild, emotional ride. So we're going to, a day removed, go back and try to look at it as, again. And it, Much more dead inside. <laughs> uh, so they lost 113-101. Uh, the damage done in the third quarter again and once again the Celtics fell into the same trap and this is this is why i feel stupid having thought after game 1 like oh man this is they are finally 
delivering on their promise. They spent all season long saying, hey, the playoffs are going to be different. Just wait. Wait for the playoffs. It's going to be different. And after game one, that, that was their best game of the year. And I thought, well, shit, they weren't lying. Except they were. <laughs> uh, to well, what? And to to defend our game one takes real quick. Like, and and I, for the record, did think they were going to get blown out in game two, but I did not think they were going to lose the next two like the way they have. Um, to defend those takes, the only the only reason that there was like a ton of confidence after game one was because. Budenholzer and Giannis and everybody else was like, we're not changing anything. We're going to be who we are. We're not going to switch. We're not sure. going to do all this stuff. And then, of course, they did change some stuff. They did start switching. And then, obviously, they are sort of allowing the Celtics to, you know, to still get the pick and pop for Al Horford. They're still allowing some of that stuff. But there was reason to believe that the Bucks were going to sort of, you know, the Bucks were telling us that they were going to shoot themselves in the foot. And obviously, yeah. there was some there was some question whether or not they would actually shoot themselves in the foot. And then they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. But at the time, all we had were Bucks quotes just yelling about how they weren't going to change anything, right. which would have been a disaster for them. Which would have been completely on brand, speaking of on brand, for Mike Budenholzer. Yeah. And that's why we bit. That's why we took the bait. Because it felt like Budenholzer again saying, look, we do what we do, and I do what I do, and this is going to be it, and screw whatever else you, you're saying. Except now they they switched and started switching. And watching these guys in the next few games, okay, game two, you almost throw game two out because of the the situation. Games three and four are, are different because the Celtics had leads. They looked good for a good portion of the game. They looked good really up until Giannis and Middleton left the game. Yeah. Like they they had done everything right. Mook was attacking. He had he alone was responsible for getting Giannis out. I mean, he was driving. He doesn't give right. a shit. He's the one guy who doesn't give a shit if Giannis is there protecting the rim. He's going up. And he drew the fouls. He was aggressive, which side note, if you don't settle for jumpers and you attack, you get to draw fouls too. But it feels like they thought they had it. And Brad Stevens said it today on the conference call. They changed. Something changed with them. That it felt like they had it, and then they didn't take advantage of it. And really, what's par for the course with the Celtics is once it comes time to say, "All right, you've got this. All you got to do is keep doing what you're doing." They get away from what they're doing, and that's always been the most frustrating thing. Like for me, that Charlotte game in Charlotte at, towards the end of the season is like my flashpoint burned in my memory of they had it and they changed what they started doing, and then they lost it. And that's where things really once that switched, once something happened and they started missing shots, and the Bucks bench came in and started hitting shots, and Connaughton was blocking Rozier and going in for dunks. Like all of a sudden. Boom! You could feel the entire game change. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I think there is something to the idea that a lot of times when guys like Giannis and Middleton get in foul trouble, all these guys are coming in, and the Celtics sort of let their foot off the gas a little bit. You know, those are still good NBA players coming off the bench for the Bucks. The Bucks are like they're not like a superstar deep team. Like they have the one superstar, and then they've got like an all star and Chris Middleton, and then they've got some guys, but they're all 
good guys. Like George Hill, right. good player. Good. Pat Connaughton, apparently good. Um, <laughs> didn't see that one coming, quite honestly. <laughs> that one is new. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but they have they have good players up and down that roster. And if you don't take like take them seriously, if you, you know, start settling for all these ISO jumpers and you're not getting buckets on the one end, they can get buckets on the other end. Like they're not a disaster of a team, even when Giannis goes out. And yes, the Celtics are better and they should have put them away, but they had to do the work of putting them away. That's hard work. It's it's the it's the playoffs, and they didn't you know they they didn't come up with that. So the question is, we we really we really should have seen this coming. And, and I guess not the question is the the statement is that we really should have seen this coming. So why don't we take a break and we can discuss after the break how much we should have seen this coming and why we should have prepared ourselves for this and then later in the last segment we can talk about adjustments and the adjustment that i'm thinking of that i wrote about on masslive.com so stick around we'll do that uh coming up on the mass on the the mass live <laughs> the locked on celtics podcast uh which you can subscribe to if you've got the new himalaya podcast app go ahead and download that subscribe to locked on celtics there and you will get a nice curated feed of all of the podcasts that suit your interests we're everywhere else that podcast exists, so go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Celtics podcast. We'll be right back. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. One of the headlines on MassLive.com slash Celtics, which you should be bookmarking and visiting regularly, is the Celtics tried to tell us who they were all year but many didn't listen. That is your piece. And really, it is the reminder that when a team shows you all along that they're going to be a team, that this is the team where they are, 
when it comes time to be the playoffs, when it comes time for the playoffs, it's hard to change your habits. It's not like they were an old team that just wasn't trying and they were saving themselves to try. They were a team that was just that had bad habits. And it turns out, Tom, that those bad habits get amplified in the playoffs. They don't change necessarily in the playoffs. You know, so this whole thing reminds me of how simplistic but effective like judging teams by point differential can be because that just seems like way too easy. It seems like if you look at that, like, you know, how could that possibly be truly predictive? But often that is the case. Like, you know, your your net rating or whatever is like predictive of how how many you know wins whatever a team is going to be. And it's like it's the same thing here. Listen to what the team tried to tell you all year long. They tried to tell us that they were inconsistent. They tried to tell you know, and obviously not with their words, but their play tried to tell us the whole year like they're inconsistent. They don't always show up. They will have stretches where they're amazing and stretches where they're terrible. And those stretches could come within the same game or they could come within the same week. Or as we now know, they could come within the same playoff series. All of this stuff was extremely predictable. And we didn't, you know, the people who watched this team a lot didn't necessarily listen to those indicators because we knew how much talent was on this team. We knew, you know, we we knew that Kyrie Irving and on paper, Kyrie, Gordon, Jalen, mm-hmm. Tatum, Horford, like this should be a switchable three-point shooting team that can get to the basket, that can do all this stuff. It all, all makes sense. All the stuff that we talked about before the season. So we all just were waiting for a flip or for a switch to be flipped. It never flipped. And here we are surprised for some reason <laughs> that this in wildly inconsistent team won five in a row and then lost three in a row. Like we right. should not be surprised. And yet we, here we all are. Right. Right. Uh, it's, it's really true because in the things that we talk about habits, we just, I think we throw the word out there sometimes where it feels like it loses meaning, but, the reality is that the habit of letting missed shots cost you time getting back on defense. That's when we talk about a bad habit, that's something that they had done all year long. And there was, that's one of those things that really is hard to change because that's just muscle memory. When, when it goes bad, that reaction, that instant reaction that you have is like, oh, and then you, you have that, oh, shit, and like, I got to get back. Yeah. It, if you don't have it beaten out of you early on, then it's it's not going to go away. If you have a criticism looking back in hindsight of Brad Stevens is not punishing, I guess, those types of things with like a loss of playing time or at least coming off the floor so you could sit down and have an assistant say, look, we saw you, you missed the shot, you turned to the ref, you didn't get back, blah, blah, blah. Now, I will say, I said that, it's hard to do that when the culprit is Kyrie Irving (laughs) and you can't take Kyrie Irving out and say, hey, you got to get back on D, especially during a regular season where he doesn't care. Especially during a uh, regular season before his free agency. <laughs> like, right. Let's be honest. These dudes have been treading on eggshells around Kyrie all year. Sure. From coaching sure. staff to uh, management. I mean, they, they have been nervous about messing with him this year. Yes, that is true. So, and there is, there is a difference between regular season coaching and playoff coaching. There is a, a difference between... You play Terry Rozier. Like last night, he played 10 minutes. 
Um, and I felt like it was 10 minutes too many, but still only 10 minutes. Uh, it was minus 11 in 10 minutes, by the way. If we, if we need five minutes at the end of this podcast, we need to have you just rant about his corner three and... Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what you thought about that corner. Oh, my God. I'll just do it right now. I'll just do it right now. <laughs> the one... I, I tweeted it out. The, the the switch onto Ilyasova, this is, this is where I feel like they just bait the Celtics, and, and the Celtics just take the bait all the time, where you get that mismatch. Like, oh, all right, Rozier on Ilyasova. Great. Ilyasova's a big, slow doofus. And Terry Rozier is young and quick, and he should be able to get by him. The Celtics all spread out, and they gave him the space. And he did this little tippity-tappity dance, and then he stepped back, step back three in the corner. Like It's hard to take a step back three in the corner. It's hard. <laughs> but all of that stuff just to take a step back three, you can take a step back three any time you want against anybody. And that's the shot. Everybody spread out, and that's the shot Terry Rozier got? Like, come on, dude. Drive. Drive. Feign it. Give it a little shoulder fake, a little, just a little something to get him off balance. Go by him and drive and kick or drive and finish. Dunk on somebody. If you're, if you're going to have that possession, either drive it, or if you don't want to drive, then the other four guys have to do something behind him and, and give him a passing option. Not that he's going to pass to anybody, but at least give him the option. So anyway, that was that that possession really, I mean, it still it sticks to me sticks inside me like plaque in an artery. It just it just hurts my chest. Uh, but was, I want everybody listening to know that that was the second time that John has <laughs> gone on that rant and it lost none of its <laughs> like that was as hurt. strong as the first time. You know, so the one thing I will say too, and, and this kind of goes to, you know, Rozier taking, you know, taking a bad shot. It goes to Kyrie not getting back on defense. It's like to a certain extent, the coaching, yes, like the coaches need to hold players accountable. They need to get guys to do to play both ends, to to shake off bad shots. But also, this is the NBA. Like these guys are professionals. Like, it, and 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 anybody who's played basketball gets that it is it is honestly hard to get back after you miss a shot because you're mad, you're frustrated, sure, and, and you're not mad at anybody besides yourself. You're blaming yourself. It is a moment of inward reflection where you're just like, I am mad at myself, and that's understandable. But also, like, like you got to get back. Like that is that is you know right. that is your job. And <laughs> as simplistic as that sounds, like and and you know like as kind of. Yeah, just as simplistic as that sounds, that is the case. And these guys need to do that. They need to be able to shake it off immediately, and that's part of being a professional basketball player. So, I don't know. I think I think it goes both ways. I think sure. definitely coaches need to hold them accountable. They need to get them to a point where they are getting back, but also you just it's just the action of doing it. You just got to go do it. You got to go do it. And it's it's a tough little dance because it is the NBA, but it's also people, you know, it's it's coach's job. Yeah. And it, it there's blame to go all the way. No one here is blameless in, in all of this, um, except for Gershon Yabuselli, of course. <laughs> uh, nobody here is blameless. Everybody's got some level of culpability here. Brad could have done things differently. Uh, everybody could have done things differently. Rob Williams could have come back from the future and told everybody what was going to happen. Seriously. like I mean, <laughs> if you're going to be a time lord, then step on up here. But... The it would have just been nice if he would have told them, hey, they're going to start switching. So you can work that into some of the price. Like, don't they're even alter. Lying. Just they're lying. Yeah, he's he's no no. It's it's different now. Um, 
but back to they are who they thought that we thought they were. It's it's that type of stuff that in in these moments in the worst of times that they can't pull themselves out of the spiral. That's and, and that's the big thing is that there's no there's there's no um, effort. Is that the right word to change how they are going to run their offense to get that run stopping shot. There's nobody, not even Kyrie, who's going to say, all right, instead of coming down in and look, in on the surface it looks like drive, kick, three. Wide open three. I will acknowledge that they drove, they kicked, and they missed wide open threes. They got a lot of good shots. Those are good shots. But in the midst of that run where the misses lead to runouts, they needed somebody. I'm going to say this, knowing how it sounds, like Giannis. <laughs> but in the mindset of not that, obviously everybody needs a Giannis, but just in the mindset of I'm going to go to the rim, I'm going to try to get the easiest possible basket, or I'm going to get fouled trying. And stop the momentum, get to the free throw line, take two free throws, put two points on the board, let them take the ball out of the net, and then you go set your defense. Then you get the next stop, and you go. And that's how you turn 12-0 into actually 8-4, and that just changes the entire dynamic of what that run is. Yeah, but I will say, though, that this was... (laughs) To the point of we should have seen this coming. This was what we knew the Bucks did. They take away those buckets at the rim. They take away the free throws. Sure. They give you the looks at the three. And for the Celtics, when they can't hit any threes, and there's all these just open threes, like they they feel like the right shot. They look like the right shot. They should be the right shot, and then they miss it. Right. Like that. I mean, that's that's what the Bucks have done. They have clogged up the paint. They made it really hard. Even Kyrie is having trouble in there, obviously, because he can't score right now. But I mean, he's he is being hounded, all, you know, around the perimeter. And then when he gets in the paint, there's you know six arms up in the air trying to block him, and that's really hard to get over. So like, the Bucks are doing this in a lot of ways with their defense. They are keeping the Celtics away from the rim. They are not necessarily, and the Celtics also never get to the free throw line anyway. But right. the Bucks also don't allow any free throws. So I mean, it you know I think that Milwaukee's defense, you know, not to sound too much like Brad here, but I, I think Milwaukee's defense like deserves <laughs> a lot of credit here. Like they're they're doing a lot of work to make the Celtics uncomfortable and and to and to make the Celtics kind of the way they are right now. If you really wanted to sound like Brad, you talk about hitting singles right now. You know, Celtics really need to hit singles. Uh, and Giannis, he's he's a joke. He's, he's a joke. He's he's a load. <laughs> he's a load. <laughs> All right, we're gonna fix this. We're gonna fix this after the break. We're gonna fix it with. We're gonna. I'm gonna get Kyrie his shots. We're gonna. We're gonna get that bench fixed. We're gonna do it when we come back on the Locked On Celtics podcast. go back to masslive.com slash Celtics and see what's on there. Oh, look at this headline. Three reasons why Gordon Hayward should start game five. That's me. 
And I think Gordon Hayward should start game five. And it's because Marcus Smart is back. Here's here's my my lay. By the way, even though we're talking about the pieces that we write, please go click on them because the clicks help us out, tells our bosses that we're doing a good job. So even though we've kind of like summarized it, please go read. Um, I felt like uh, there's all kinds Je- of metaphors and everything. There's, I mean, this is decent writing. I, I felt let, right there like Jeb Bush. Please clap. Please clap. <laughs> um, so, why should Gordon Hayward start? I think the, the three reasons are: first of all, he's better when he touches the ball more. When he's he's a high usage guy, he's never been a spot up guy. He's always been a guy in control of the offense, in control of everything. And the Celtics, if you watch him on the floor, he is when he's with the starters, he has he's spending too much time as a spot up guy. Okay? Which sounds weird when I say you got to start him, but what he should do when he starts is run the offense at least more often and get Kyrie off the ball. So reason number two, you get Kyrie off the ball. The Bucks, when they're looking at Kyrie, when Kyrie's at the top and the point of attack, all five sets of eyes are on Kyrie. If you start Kyrie down in the corner, somewhere on the baseline, only his defender is going to be looking at him. The other guys have to be watching the ball in their own guy. So you lose track, naturally, of Kyrie Irving. So you can't track him and stalk him like a cat chasing a mouse. You you have he surprises you just naturally by being off the ball. So that dynamic of Hayward starting running an offense because he's not just going to try to cook like Kyrie does. Run an offense, set picks, make the right play, get Kyrie coming to the ball to catch it on the move. I I love the idea of that just to get Hayward involved and Kyrie cleaner opportunities once he catches the ball. And then the third thing is the bench, you've got now Jalen. Jalen would move to the bench in this scenario. Smart is the ball handler in this scenario. Now you've got Smart and Jalen kind of boosting the second unit, both offensively because Jalen's been awesome lately, and then defensively, I can't believe I'm making this argument and this argument needs to be made. Smart and Brown against Hill and Connaughton, that's the defensive pairing. Brown's length against George Hill, Smart's tenacity against Connaughton. Again, it's asinine to say that we need them to do this, but we need them to shut those guys down. I like the way all of that plays out. I like that combination. How much do you hate it? No, I actually I'm I'm real on board with it offensively. Um, and I mean defensively too. I think I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, All right, thanks. That's the podcast. <laughs> no, I, 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 I honestly I don't have any issues with it. I think that they need to shake something up. I mean, there's no reason not to, right? Like right at this point, there, there's there you have one chance to save your season. Everybody on the team. You know, everybody's expecting a one-two-three Cancun at this point. Like that's what everybody thinks is is, sure. is coming in Game Five. Throw something at the wall. Maybe the first quarter goes well. Maybe they're they're up by twelve. Maybe they're feeling good. Like maybe it works. You know, like there's there's no reason not to try something a little out of the ordinary. Um, and and I think that you know Hayward starting. I was I was saying that I thought Hayward should start at the start of the series. Brad went with you know with Morris, which honestly probably made more sense mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but I, now, yeah, I mean, I think there's no reason not to. Hayward holds his own. You know, he's yeah, like defensively, he can switch on to anybody. He can he can do all the all of that stuff as well. So, 
No, I'm. I I rarely have no beef with one of you, with your takes, but I have no <laughs> beef with this one. <laughs> I think th- I think this is a good one. <laughs> Thanks for once. I've for come once. up with a good take. Really, really, the for me the reason it works is because Marcus Smart is back. Yeah, and Marcus Smart being right, able yeah. to be the ball handler. Like I was opposed to Hayward starting when because what it really meant was Rosier would be the ball handler <laughs> in the second unit by himself. And I, have, I was thinking there would be certain amounts of staggering that would avoid that particular scenario. Yeah. Um, but yes, no, having smart back uh, <laughs> fixes that. Hopefully, hopefully we can erase those other 10 minutes of Terry Rozier. Or at the very least, if he plays, he's in a better he's in a better spot. I don't know. I, I, but I'm very anti-Rozier playing at this point. Um, I can see I can see why Brad might be thinking to have two ball handlers on the floor at the same time so you're not just it's not just one guy but i uh yeah so all right well that was a quick segment <laughs> well to like i can defend rosier very quickly uh he has been a net positive in uh for the series uh or at least I think he has, unless he had like just a disastrous day yesterday which he may have but uh it was minus 11 in 10 minutes so Ooh, he might be close. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't uh, look that stat up before we came in here, but uh, all right. I, I rescind my defense. <laughs> and I will say that Rozier was good in the Pacers series. He was very good in the Pacers series. He was series. good in the Pacers series. Like, not I'm unlike not just... a certain uh, Gordon Hayward. That was the interesting thing today. Brad actually straight up said, and, and he and he tends to like take the blame for things sometimes, but he straight up said, I have not been using these guys right with, mm-hmm. with Hayward and Rozier. And like... Both those guys were really good against Indiana, and they've been pretty bad against Milwaukee. Yeah. So, like, there is something there. Like, you know, there's something switched up, and I don't think it was. I don't think it was all the Bucks. Like, it was certainly some of them, but I don't think it was completely Milwaukee taking those right. guys out of the game. Right. Uh, I, I do think that the length at the rim does bother Hayward a lot. Yeah. Like, it's one thing. Like, he's progressed to taking a guy one on one, trying to dunk on a guy, like he tried to do. On was Miles Turner yep. in the in the Pacers series <laughs> trying to get Miles Turner back? For his, <laughs> yeah, for for <laughs> humiliating ending, yeah. him in front of his hometown. <laughs> <laughs> but he he can do that driving against one guy, driving in a in a crowd. I I do think there's a little something there, and this is why when I talk about Gordon Hayward not being a hundred percent back, like I think there's still. Those are, are still steps, but he's back. Like getting in, by the one guy and then having to beat the guy at the rim an, too. Right. Yeah. Right. Like just attacking that multiple. So um, that is still a problem. He's still healthy enough to be effective. Yeah. He's not effective right now. He was only effective for basically, I'd say half of game one when he was hitting a ton of mid range jumpers. Like in the second quarter. Of game one, he was hitting a ton of mid-range jumpers, and that was really when he, he was, was hitting that shot that the Celtics got all the time in game one. That yeah. looked like it was going to be very transferable. That right. like that little area of the floor that that uh, that the Bucks have just been like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I almost said Atlanta because of Budenholzer. I I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> That's when you know you've been doing this for way too long. Um, one year. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we'll see. So tomorrow is. Game five or tonight, we're recording this pretty early on a uh, on Tuesday. So Wednesday is game five. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to be surprised at any result. They could go out there and get blown out, and you just say, "Ah, they just that was the end of the rope." Like they just that's it. They can go out there and blow out the Bucks, and I wouldn't be surprised. I'd actually think it was funny because that's very much on brand. And then 
who knows? I think that the the most uh, on brand thing would be for the Celtics to get to Game Seven and then blow a late lead in Game Seven, like get to the point where you're like, "Oh my God, I can't believe they're gonna actually pull this off!" And then whoop, it's eight point lead, you know, eight minutes to go, and you lose by twelve, like some crazy like that. You're like, "I can't believe this is happening." Yeah. I can see it, and we, we talked about this earlier. I think that the, the more likely scenario is, like, this team, they'll get down by 20, and then they'll make a run, but they don't get to, like, tie the game and then lose it. They get to, like, six down, seven down, yeah. and then they lose by 14. Yeah. Like, so I think the most likely is that they win game five, make everybody think it's coming back to Boston, they're going to have a chance, anything can happen, and then they lose game six. Like, just, like, there's, like, there's, like build up to just literally nothing, which is, right again, yeah, this uh, on brand. Uh, this is the on brand uh, podcast. <laughs> Locked on brand. Uh, if the Celtics lose, they better hope to hell that the Raptors win. Because if the Celtics lose, we've talked about this. If the Celtics lose and Philly wins, and then you stare Philly in the face, you look at them and you be like, I can't believe that we could have faced Philly. It would have been a ticket to the NBA Finals because I guarantee you if the Celtics win and they face Philly, let's pretend that these things happen. Game one, no matter what happens in this Buck series, you come back, game one, people are already booking their hotels for Oakland. We're booking. Already we are booking. booking like, Oakland. And like the, the Warriors are not as strong as they have been in previous years. Like you lose to Milwaukee here and, and Philly wins, like you – probably are going to the finals and you probably have like a competitive series ahead of you like maybe i don't know i mean maybe isn't it funny like we're sitting here we're talking about how much we like can't believe these guys we got sucked in again and yet there's still that thing in us that goes oh no 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 no. i think that all of this is on the table i think they are going to be looking at philly i think that this is like definitely going to happen (laughs) oh god that would be the biggest ball buster all right we'll see what happens There'll be a podcast after game five with, uh, I believe, Sam and uh, whomever as we... Don't sell it too hard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to be Sam and somebody. Maybe Shannon. Maybe maybe Ryan. Who knows? Uh, We will be working diligently to get that content up on masslive.com slash Celtics. Bookmark it, damn it. Bookmark it. Read our stuff, please. I'm begging you. Please clap. Also, please subscribe to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Everywhere podcasts are available. The new Himalaya podcast app, download that. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. All of you regular listeners, give us that five-star rating and a good review. Share the podcast. Spread the word because we're going to be here for a while no matter what happens to the Celtics. Listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.